everybody. Thank you for tuning in today to the Thrive Life Podcast. I'm your host, Roar Alexander, fitness, nutrition, and healthy lifestyle specialist. And I'm so happy that you've decided to take this time to join me again today. Or if it's your first time here, welcome. I hope you like my show and I hope you share it with others. So today I have a very exciting show coming up for you, something that I've been uh, working on that's uh, very passionate to me. Uh, for those of you that may be new or maybe even listen to the show a few times, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I've traveled the world a lot. In fact, I've lived in uh, about seven countries now, spent the last six years traveling through uh, Asia, everywhere from uh, China, Philippines, Hong Kong, Macau, uh, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, you've named it. Basically, I've covered probably a good 80% of most of the countries in Asia, and in fact, I have a trips to Japan coming up very soon, as well as a trip to Nepal, which I'm looking forward to as well. And in actually only uh, seven days, eight days from now, I will be traveling to India to spend some time doing some meditation at a uh, retreat there, as well as learning everything I can about Ayurvedic, traditional Indian Ayurvedic medicine. I'm looking very forward to that. Um, You know, I love that kind of alternative medicine stuff, and I really want to find out a lot more about it to broaden my horizons. So looking forward to that. But today, I have a great show coming up for you that I call it, it's kind of my new series. I have a new, whole new series that I'm kind of doing called The Big Problem. And what is The Big Problem? Well, it is obesity. And that is global obesity. See, one of the things that we hear about all the time is the American problem with obesity. And we love to, you know, just point at them and, you know, talk about how Americans are fat, Americans are fat. But the fact is... The rest of the world is catching up. Some of them are actually beating the United States now in terms of either percentages or terms of numbers, which we're going to get into some really interesting stuff there. But before we do that, I would like to give a large shout out to the non-obese countries. So big shout out to South Korea, Japan, Switzerland, and Norway. Those guys are pretty much on the top five list of the least obese countries in the world with percentages of 10% or under. Some of them are even in the single digit. Also, shout out to Vietnam for being the least obese country in Southeast Asia and an honorable mention as well to our friends in Taiwan. And interestingly enough, even in Europe, we have France and Italy there taking up spots six and seven. And that's with all those carbs and all those uh, baguettes and pastas. So might be showing you that this whole gluten thing, this whole uh, being afraid of carbs, this whole Western thing, it's just all in our heads. So we might want to be thinking about that, okay? Because we're looking at countries who basically created carbohydrates and they're doing quite well. So big shout out to those guys. Well, let's start off with... Who is to blame? And the fact is, there's a lot of different stuff that we're going to be talking about that comes to blame. Um, And we are going to get into that in a little bit, but it's not just a simple thing of eating too much and exercising too little. In fact, those are parts of it, but those are not the full story. So we're going to get into the full story. Um, So let's start with just taking a look at global obesity. I think that's important, is taking a look at the global obesity. Now, Obesity has tripled globally 
since 1975, okay? So we're going to talk about two different things. We're going to talk about overweight and we're going to talk about obesity. And they're a little different. They're both not good, but they are clinical definitions. So the first thing we have to understand is BMI or body mass index, which basically is a it's a scale that looks at your height compared to your weight. And the medical community has managed to pretty much look at it and figure out what your ideal BMI should be. So for our interest sakes, we want to know basically what makes somebody overweight or what makes somebody clinically obese. Well, we have a scale and anything over 25 to 29.9 on that scale is classified as overweight. So if you do a BMI test, and it's very simple, there's lots of charts, you can Google them, they're very easy to find, just type in BMI chart, it's going to pop right up there. They come in metric and imperial, so it's very easy to uh, look at yourself up. And ideally, you want to pretty much be somewhere under that 25. Now, there's also underweight, but that's not really a major problem right now that we're having, so we're going to be looking at overweight. So like I said, overweight is 25 to 29.9, and obesity is classified at above 30. Now, interestingly, in Japan, which I've said has the lowest rates of obesity and overweight, they've actually classified obesity as being over 25. So for them to have low rates of obesity really says something when they've actually knocked it down by five points over the rest of the world. So now you'll hear a lot of trainers and different people, different fitness professionals talk quite often about how the BMI is you know is a flawed concept it's not a good concept but and i'll tell you why they say that so because i'm going to tell you there's a big problem with that and it just goes to show that if your trainer's saying that they don't really understand the concept but we'll explain first the problem is when you're looking at say weight compared to height you don't it doesn't take into consideration muscle mass so it doesn't look at body fat percentage which of course is another important thing so you'll hear trainers or fitness professionals all the time saying, well, it would classify Arnold Schwarzenegger back in his heyday as obese. It would classify your typical bodybuilder or even CrossFit athlete as an obese person. And they are 100% correct. That is very much true. But here's what we fail to understand. Only 5% of the world works out on a fairly regular basis. Of that 5%, I think it's very easy for us to say that maybe 2, maybe 1% are actually people that work out to the point where they're focusing on extremely low body fat percentages. The average person going to the gym of that 5% is the person that goes on the treadmill a couple times a week, the person that does a little TRX class or does a body pump class. We are not talking about people whose body fat percentages and muscle ratios are going to be thrown off the charts. So there is about 1% of the population, maybe of the training population, I should say, that this test does not work for. But we can't go around saying it's not a good use because of something like a half of a half of a half of a half percent of the world's population. So BMI, long story short, is an excellent guide for us to look at obesity around the world if we ignore the bodybuilders 
and the professional CrossFit athletes. So once we take professional athletes out, which again, very small percentage, how many professional athletes do you really know? Then we can see that, okay, it's actually a really good chart. So getting back to where I was, you know, and what I want to do is I want to open our eyes up to the global issue that is obesity. And it is not just an American Western issue. The fact is, why do we hear about it? Well, because all media comes, 99% of it basically comes from the United States. Can you name movie stars who are big movie stars in other countries besides the USA? And I'm not talking about a celebrity who is from another country that has moved to the United States, somebody like William Shatner. You go, oh, William Shatner, he's Canadian. No, he became popular on an American show and he's basically an American citizen. I'm saying, can you name me China's top movie star? Not their top American movie star, okay? I'm talking about their top movie star. Can you name me uh, India's top Bollywood actress? So, no, we can't do that. So, this is the problem. This is why we hear about the American obesity epidemic all the time. Because we're listening to, say, watching the Bloomberg report. We're getting our news through Fox or through CNN or anything else, which is all American. Even this podcast right now is hosted through iTunes, which is, of course, Apple, which is an American company. Uh, it's also hosted on SoundCloud. And I'm not sure where SoundCloud comes, but I would put my money down that it's probably American. So... We wanted to look at the rest of the world, and the rest of the world is honestly not doing that much better. So let's start off with some of the Western countries because it's more relatable to us. Let's start off with Canada, okay? Canada is no better off than the United States. In fact, our percentages are just as high as the United States. Now, the fact that you don't hear about it as much is because they have over 300 million people. Canada has less than 37 million people. So when we look at it as a percentage, Canada, yes, does have a lower number of overweight or obese people. But our percentages are the same. Now, this is not good. Think about this. In the United States, you have to educate 300 million people on nutrition, exercise, stress relief, and all that sort of stuff. Canada, we only have to uh, educate as many people as that fit in California. So in other words, we've done a really bad job because there's only 37 million people we have to educate. We can't even educate those people. So just looking at the math, if we had 300 million people in the U.S., we'd probably be in much worse shape. Australia. Now, Australia, you guys are doing a great job over there. In fact, you have now overtaken the United States as the fastest growing overweight and obesity country in the world. Your rates are just as high, exactly as high, or maybe even a little bit higher. The problem with statistics like this is different organizations do uh, you know, different um, surveys, and the numbers are always a little bit off. Sometimes you read that Australia is a little bit lower. But through the Australian media, and from what I've been able to source basically from Australia, is that their percentages are actually higher than that of the United States now. And got to remember again, guys, just like Canada, you're talking about a country with, that's really just Canada's warm twin sister. I mean, the fact is, I think Australia is somewhere between 35 and 38 million people too. So again, 
Australia is dropping the ball big time on education. And let's uh, let's not argue about it. I mean, the fact is Canada is ice cold. I mean, we're sitting around. I'm from Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver is the warmest place we got. And in the summer, you're lucky to get a 24-degree day. And it rains something like 200 days of the year. And Australia, you have beautiful weather where your lowest temperatures get to like 10 degrees in the winter. So you guys are a lot worse. you got a lot less excuses than Canadians do. Canadians can say, well, you know, if we have to sit through those cold, 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 freezing winters just like they do in Russia. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but come on. I'd like to think that if, you know, if Canada maybe had some better, warmer weather, we had some of that tropical beach, some of that gold coast, you know, some surfing, that you know, we might do better. So you guys are in a really, really terrible position right now where I can honestly say, Australia, you are dropping the effing ball big time, okay? So stop with all the marketing, stop with all your F45s and stop with all your different wrappers and labels and all the other cool little cute things that you bring up and actually start educating your people. So getting back to the world again just for a minute, I want to talk about this. Let's talk about the kids for a minute. Okay, because the kids are the next generation. Now, globally, there are estimated to be 41 million children under the age of five years old that are being classified as overweight or obese. And last year alone, in 2016, an estimated 340 million kids between the ages of 5 and 19 years old were considered overweight or obese. Now, when we throw the adults in there, we are looking at globally at 2 billion, 2 billion, 30% of the population of the planet Earth is considered overweight, while just over 700 million of those are considered obese. To put that in percentages, um, actually, it's been said that 39% of adults are overweight and 13% of the entire planet. So 39% of the planet Earth is considered overweight based on the BMI and 13% is considered obese. So let's jump out of the United States, Canada, and Australia for a minute and go through some places. And some of these places might surprise you. So Greenland. Okay, that country that's up north, you know, of Canada, kind of north and then to the east a bit there. 19% of men are considered obese and 25% of women are considered obese. Now, we're not talking overweight. We're talking about obese. In the Maldives, you guys know the Maldives. You've all seen the commercials, those beautiful beach islands. The Maldives is supposedly, you know, uh, heaven on earth, the most amazing place you can ever go. 54, 54% of women in the Maldives are considered overweight. That is a huge number. In fact, it is the highest number of overweight women on the planet Earth. So, Maldives, those are some big bikinis they're selling over there, okay? So you guys got some, you guys got some fixing to do. Got to find out what is going on with those ladies over there. Singapore. Gonna pick on Singapore now. Singapore, I don't know. I've, you, you might not know about me. I've never been a big fan of Singapore. I find them a little egotistical. Never been able to get a lot of work done through Singapore. I can honestly say, don't like Singaporeans very much. Okay, nothing racist. Just that's the way it is. They're just they're just kind of a conceited bunch, you know. And I'm not just whoever they are. Just Singapore, you people, men. 
44% of men are overweight. So while you guys are busy being all like, let's get the money, 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 okay, your health is going to shit. So that's the truth, guys. Singapore, you guys are dropping the ball big time, okay, guys in Singapore, stop making some money, start eating a little bit better, okay, and start doing a little more exercise, all right? Mexico, 27% of men are considered obese, 38% of women considered obese. United States, 35% men, 40% women. Canada, 29% on average obesity rate. South Africa. Now, South Africa is a really interesting one. Again, we think about Cape Town, South Africa, beautiful weather. Okay, 11% of men, that doesn't sound too bad, but 39% of women. So again, globally, guys, and if you go, I have a uh, new video, by the way. Um, It's a three-part series, actually. Um, called the sick home and in that I go over a lot of these statistics but actually in graphical detail so you can go on there and you'll actually see that women globally are having a much much harder time with overweight and obesity than men men it's not good but for women it's terrible you're going to see a chart there basically goes red is the worst uh, and then it goes through your shades of oranges and yellows well when it comes to the women's slide there is a hell of a lot of red on that slide so women something's going on Um, I talked about Australia earlier, matches USA, matches Canada. Okay, no excuse. Guys are dropping the ball. And then Malaysia. Okay, this is interesting again. Malaysia, KL, you know, the twin twin buildings there. Um, Beautiful beaches, uh, Borneo, all that sort of stuff. Malaysia holds the record for the highest overweight population in all, percentage-wise, percentage-wise, I should say, in all of Southeast Asia. And actually, I think it's in all of Asia. Um, so Malaysia is just doing a terrible job with men and women with an average 44% across the board is considered overweight. Uh, other interesting statistics. This is where you have to understand this differences between percentages and numbers. So you could have a country with a very low number of people yet a high percentage because they have, you know, such a low amount of people. And actually, the countries that have the highest amounts of obesity in the world percentage-wise are very, very, very small countries, some of them hundreds of thousands of people. Now, China, on paper, as a percentage, China actually scores quite low. So when you look at China on a percentage, they have 11% of men and 15% of women are considered overweight. So you're thinking, well, that's not that bad because we said before the top 10 countries, it was about 10% and under. So China hanging in there at 11% of men and 15% of women, you think, well, that doesn't sound too bad. Now, here's where you got to think about it though. China has a population of 1.4 billion people. So that is a bigger number of overweight people than in the United States. So while their percentage is down, their numbers are very high. And in fact, China is exploding, particularly in the urban areas. And we're going to talk about China. China's an interesting one. We're going to talk about that because, you know, everybody and the brother, of course, is trying to get into China. Everybody wants Chinese money. Um, you know, China's basically the, the gold rush for the financial industrial world right now. So everybody's trying to jump in there. We're going to talk about some of those uh, problems. So China, however, is having some gigantic 
uh, obesity problems, and it's growing significantly. Now, another country that I want to touch on is, again, interesting, another population over 1 billion people, India. Okay, India, again, is one of those countries with a low percentage but a high number of people. But for a minute, I'm just going to change the, uh, the tone a little bit. We're going to talk about type 2 diabetes. We're going to talk about obesity, of course, brings a number of diseases with it. You have cancers that are linked to it, um, heart disease, strokes, heart attacks, cardiovascular disease, you know, asthma, everything like respiratory illnesses. But type 2 diabetes in India. India has actually been called the capital of type 2 diabetes on the planet Earth. Um, right now, they have an average 51 million people have been um, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in India. And it's estimated by the year 2030, so in only, what's that, about 13 years from now, it's estimated to be at 87 million people. Now, some more interesting notes. Even in rural India, rural India, so of course, similar to China, it's the cities that are having the biggest explosions and the biggest problems. But in the rural areas, it's growing as well. So a very interesting statistic that I found was that in 1989, only 2% of rural India was considered overweight, where now in 2017, 18% of rural India is considered overweight. In 1975, they had about 400,000 men considered obese. So 1975, 42 years ago, India roughly had 400,000 men that were considered obese. Of course, we all know India was very well known for having you know, malnourishment and a, and a major food shortage. Well, now, as of 2017, it's estimated that about 9.8 million men are considered overweight and 20 million women are considered overweight as well or obese. So those are some big numbers, guys. Like, look at that, 400,000. We're talking in the thousands up to nearly tens and 20 million. And that's just in India alone. So we can see that there's a lot of problems happening. So where are these problems coming from? Why are we getting more overweight? Well, Let's pick on the easiest one, of course, which is fast food. We cannot deny fast food. Now, we love to pick on McDonald's, McDonald's, but McDonald's isn't the only one. In fact, McDonald's isn't even the top one globally that's grown, particularly through Asia. The company that has done very well in Asia and is, in fact, I believe the number one in the world for number of food chains is KFC, the old Kentucky Fried Chicken, now called KFC. Number one food chain in the world. And how did they do it? Well, they're actually really smart. They did what a lot of other companies don't do. They came in and they changed their menu to suit the tastes of the countries. So they didn't come in and just try to force French fries and coleslaw down the throats of the Chinese. No, they brought in side orders of rice. They brought in side orders of corn. They brought in the flavors that the people liked. And it did very well for them. In fact, there's KFCs everywhere. I'm in the Philippines, there's KFCs. KFCs are everywhere uh, in Thailand. Actually, KFC in Thailand actually has ice cream shops as well. Very similar kind of to like a Dairy Queen to get the soft serve. So they've also realized, you know, that there's a big market here because Asia tends to be a little bit hotter. There's a big market for ice cream. So KFC has done very well. And in China, 
planned on opening, I don't know exactly how many they did, but they planned on opening 600 new locations in the year 2016 alone throughout mainland China. McDonald's is aiming for a thousand new locations in China between 2015 and 2020. And Starbucks is just killing. Apparently, Starbucks is very popular. I don't know. I guess people over there in China, they're digging those unicorn drinks. I'm sure there's lots of green tea lattes going on over there, too, because Starbucks is also smart. They also adopted local flavors as well. Starbucks is currently in China has 2,300 locations. And by the year 2021, they want to double that to 4,600 locations throughout China. So you can see that fast food is a major issue. And whenever I go to uh, here in Thailand, like I said, they have a Burger King, KFC, uh, Burger King, KFC. There's Pizza Huts. There is McDonald's. Oh, sorry. McDonald's are everywhere. There's almost McDonald's things on every corner around here. Almost every single mall and even strip plaza has a McDonald's. When I go to the Philippines, again, Philippines is packed. No, an interesting one, Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons, if you don't know this, is Canada's biggest donut coffee chain. So if you go to any Canadian and say, hey, do you like Tim Hortons? They will say they love it. I'm going to admit I love it too, but... Here's the thing. Tim Hortons, besides a few places in like northern New York and maybe some of, the, some of the very northern, northern states that border with Canada, Tim Hortons has never opened up. They've never spread outside of Canada or within about 100 miles, 100 kilometers or so, you know, whatever, of the Canadian border. Yet they have opened now at least seven to eight locations throughout Manila in the Philippines because those Filipinos, they love that American junk food. And McDonald's, sorry, Tim Hortons has definitely seen that there's a market going on over there. So Tim Hortons, of all the places in the world, has decided to choose Southeast Asia to start expanding their global reach. So that's just a little interesting fact there. Now, Another thing that's interesting in China is 60%. It's been estimated, at least in the urban areas, that 60% of meals are now from prepackaged meals, which mirrors the number in the United States. So we can see that people are not cooking at home anymore. People are not making food at home. Uh, they are going prepackaged. They're not even necessarily going to traditional restaurants. They're just grabbing things you know, that you could throw in the microwave, saran wrap stuff. We're going to talk about that in a little bit too. So, other things. So, we can see fast food, we'll just call it refined food for interest sake, okay, is definitely making some big problems. Now, here's the other thing. Gym memberships. Gym memberships don't help, okay? Exercise does not help. Between the year 1980 and the year 2000, gym memberships in the United States doubled, yet the obesity numbers doubled as well. In India and China and in the Philippines, they are also having exploding numbers of gyms. The fitness industry is taking off. In fact, India and China, last year, CrossFit, the company CrossFit, stated of three countries in the world that they were going to see the most growth and they were planning on focusing their efforts on were Brazil, China, and India. And the Philippines, outside of South Korea, uh, actually has the most number of uh, CrossFit affiliates in Asia. Yet, 
these are the same countries where the gyms are exploding and opening, yet the obesity levels are going higher and higher and higher. There is absolutely no evidence that having gym memberships actually help people. And in fact, there's been done some studies where people who exercise actually gain fat, and that comes through some of the reward behavior. So we have to understand that it is not exercise. It's not get out there and exercise more. We get the words confused. When people say we have to move more, we have to be more active, we automatically think that means we have to go to the gym. And it is not the gym that we're talking about. When we're telling people get more active, we are talking about getting more active through daily life. In fact, if you went to the gym seven days a week for one hour a day, you were only 4%, 4% more active at the end of the year than the guy who didn't go to the gym at all. We have to figure out how do we bring our physical activity up from 4% to 10%, 15%. So that is what we have to look forward to. So it's not about your 30-minute hit. It's not about your F45. It's not about your CrossFit wad. Okay? It's not about going to the gym. It is about being physically more active. As I'm standing here doing this podcast, you may be able to see the video. It's my first time ever experimenting with the video, so we'll see if it cuts me off or not because it's on my phone. I don't know how much data I have. But I'm standing. So right now I'm at my standing desk standing while I'm doing this. Now, I, there's a chair right beside me. I could very easily be sitting down and doing this, but I don't want to. Now, while I'm standing, I also tend to shift back and forth a lot. And you can't see in the camera, but I actually have a little foot thing that's made out of coconut shells that I step on every now and then. And I give my feet a little bit of flexibility, and I do a little bit of arch work on my feet while I'm standing here. So total movement is the answer, not more gym. So this is one thing you need to understand. Your one hour in the gym doesn't make up for the 23 hours of sitting around you're doing in the junk food you're eating, okay? And then we have that thing I talked about, reward behavior, where we think, well, I went to the gym so I can have that extra cookie. Unfortunately, that extra cookie or whatever it's going to be usually has more calories than you ended up burning off of the gym anyways because most people's gym workouts are just usually not that great. Say, hate to say it, but, you know, doing some bicep curls and kickbacks on a machine, walking on a treadmill while you're, you know, you text doesn't do it. So... Got to look at the kind of exercise you're doing in the gym as well. And I'm not talking about just going there and doing you know, hit training. I'm talking about getting on a good, solid program and understanding that you should be taking the stairs. You should be stretching in the morning, doing a little bit of yoga, getting more active, having a standing desk, sitting desk, squatting desk, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now, we can take this. We can go a little bit further, a little bit deeper. A little while ago back, I mentioned pre-plastic, uh, pre-made foods in plastics. Well, chemicals in our foods are another major problem. And actually, there's quite a few people now who are actually stating that it's not necessarily the amount of calories or the lack of exercise that's entirely screwing us over, but it could be the chemicals that are in our food. In fact, there's now estimated to be 100,000 chemicals in our food on average right now. To put that into perspective, in 1950, there was only about 800 additives in food. Now there's over 100,000 uh, in the last 60 years. And again, a lot of these chemicals, we don't know how they interact. So while there are scientists and other people out there saying, you know, these things in small amounts are okay and these things don't have problems, the fact is a lot of the stuff we don't know about for years, you know, it can take years and years to build up and we just can't, these short-term studies they do don't help us realize it. So we have to get away from those chemicals. But what do some of these chemicals do? Well, evidence has shown us that they mess up our hormones. Okay, They're called endocrine disruptors. And without getting too much in the science, again, go to my three-part series to jump into a lot more. 
they basically can make us raise our levels of estrogen. Now, estrogen helps, uh, sorry, estrogen is kind of what you consider the female hormone and makes it difficult to lose fat. Now, interestingly, studies have shown that not having enough estrogen can help you to, uh, can make you hard to lose weight. But the problem is most of us have too much estrogen because of a lot of the chemicals that we have that are called uh, xenoestrogens that give us extra estrogen. At the same time, a lot of these chemicals lower testosterone. We need testosterone because it helps us to build muscle. So we have these artificial chemicals that are raising our estrogen, lowering our testosterone, or messing us up, as well as other things like leptin and ghrelin. Um, these are hormones that are attached to satiety, to making you hungry, on top of other hormones that are out there. A lot of these chemicals are messing us up. So we have to start figuring out how do we get away from these environmental chemicals. And one of the biggest ones is not eating plastic food. So we can see now what's happening. We have a bunch of junk food wrapped in plastic and plastic full of the chemicals. So now we're getting the extra calories and we're getting the additional chemicals that we weren't getting before. Another one that a lot of people don't think of, and this is the last one I want to touch on, because honestly, we could go on about it all day with the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, and all the little things. Stress response. The fact is, people today are more stressed than ever. Now, stress has been proven to raise cortisol. Cortisol makes it harder to gain muscle because it eats away at muscle, but it also causes you to store fat, particularly belly fat. So we are not teaching people how to de-stress, how to manage stress, which is a huge part of maintaining weight and having good weight and having good health. So what we do teach people is to go on these very restrictive diets that basically mess up our cortisol, restrictive calories, which again, mess up our, um, which mess up our hormones, mess up our body. You ever see people that go really low calorie and they pop back or they go on these, you know, these high carb, low carb diets and they bob and they just keep going up and down. That's a lot of stress in the body, a lot of inflammation. We're constantly telling people, get in there to the gym and train really hard and hit, 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 hit all day long. Well, too much hit's been proven to actually mess your metabolism up too. Too much intense exercise, period. It doesn't just have to be hit. Too much long-distance running. We need to teach ourselves at the same time, okay, this is how I eat well. This is how I keep my chemicals lower. This is how I get more physical activity in my day, but this is how I control and manage my stress and even activity that will help me to decrease my stress, such as yoga, breathing practices, taking walks, meditation, all that sort of stuff. So that about wraps it up. Um, you know, I, there's lots more I could go into. I was going to talk about kids' obesity levels and where they're all at right now in type 2 diabetes in the United States. Fact is, there was zero cases of type 2 diabetes in kids in 1980, and now there's a lot. Um, but we're not going to get into that. Please go to my website, www.roaralexander.com. Check out the first video of my three-part series called The Sick Home, uh, the Sick Home Fix Prescription. Okay, The Sick Home Fix RX. Three-part series. Part one, I talk about the chemicals that are in your home. I go through the chemicals and what they do. Part two, uh, which I give you, you give me your email address, and in turn, I'm going to give you parts two and three absolutely free. Part two tells us in the home where they are, simple things that we can do, things that are either free, save you money, low cost, 
And then if you want to take it to the next level, I do have options on there as well, but you don't have to. And I go talk about, you know, being 10% better than the average in the rest of the population, you're going to be 100% better. So I'll go, you know, too crazy when they go through that. You know, I have a lot of statistics in that, a lot of stuff. It's not about doing everything in there, but definitely understanding where those toxins are. And then the third part, part three, is home hacks to a healthier home, what I call a Thrive Life home. Um, and that's going to be different stuff. We talk about different traditions there. I do. I talk about the stuff that I've seen as I travel around the world, traditions and things that don't necessarily relate to calories or chemicals, but things that we can do that are proven to help make us healthier, fitter, and leaner people. So again, please check that out, www.roaralexander.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. Um, it's like I said earlier, it's available on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as the Thrive Life Facebook page. Um, so make sure you guys, uh, please share that. I'm asking you to please share it. Uh, I really want to get this out there. I've invested a lot of, you know, some quite a bit of my own money into improving the sound quality. If you listen to some of the earlier ones, I think you'll see the sound quality is significantly higher now. And, uh, the videos actually work quite well on this. It's managed to hold in there now for the whole 37 minutes. So got my new earphones, my microphone. If you want to go to the video, you can check that out at the Aurora Alexander YouTube page. I'll be posting this video there as well. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you again very soon. Hey everybody, it's Royal Alexander, fitness and nutrition specialist coming at you. And I just wanted to let you know today in case you don't know about the Thrive Life Initiative. For those of you that don't know, uh, I started an initiative this year where 5% of everything that I make goes towards my Thrive Life Initiative, which is a program that I've created to help bring fitness and nutrition education or physical places for people to exercise to those communities that are less fortunate, whether it's low-income communities, children's program, or elderly programs. Pretty much anybody who is in need of help, I'm trying to get out there and I'm trying to help them with my Thrive Life initiative. So 5% of everything that you see on my website at www.roaralexander.com, no matter what it is, goes into that charity initiative account. So by helping me help you, you are helping the world. So I just wanted you guys to know that in case you don't know about that uh, Thrive Life initiative. Really important to me because have you heard quite often I talk about purpose and having purpose in life. And to me, getting the word out there because we are the 5% that we have to get the word out to the 95%. So I've decided to take that 5% and put it into financial form. So the 5%, which is us, is giving our 5% back to the 95% who need the help. So please, guys, keep that in mind whenever you're making your decisions on what program you're going to be buying or who you're going to support. And just remember that 5% is a lot more than other companies are usually given. So, again, guys, please visit www.royalexander.com. Check out the stuff I have going on there. Help me.